And welcome back in the Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network. Jake Galley producing with my co-host, Brendan Tobin. I'm Sean Levine. And now let's welcome on the Bane, Ben Davis, back to the show. Of all the different impressions that I catch you doing online, which one do you think you do best? It's really funny because, like, the thing with the impressions is I wouldn't even consider it really good impressions. It's just, like, exaggerated mannerisms of those specific people. So for Chael, it's, like, you know, the loud voice, the gestures. For Anik, it's more of the cadence and rhythm with how he speaks. So I don't know. I don't think I do him that well, but I guess other people do, which is, you know, that's the point, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a fun thing, man. What, what did you get the, uh, the inspiration to do something like that for this community? Because we can see you guys do some of that stuff for like the NBA and whatnot or bag since guy for MLB. Like when did you want to get into kind of a lane that was uh, for the MMA audience? Yeah, I don't know. Well, because like I do esports commentary as a play by play for the UFC. And so within that vein, I have a lot of the similar things that Anik does because I love how he runs that booth and I've tried to replicate it and emulate it and kind of introduce my own style. And so when I did that video last year, it really wasn't an impression. It was more of just like me commentating and saying dumb things that he would say in the booth. Obviously that was inspired by him mentioning, um, I believe it was Andre Ewell's child custody issues. You know what I mean? And that's such a weird thing to introduce into a fight. So I was like, what else would Annex say? Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do it too often because I don't like to be put in boxes, uh, but it's definitely a fun thing every once in a while. I don't know if you've got a Stipe impression, Ben. Something tells me it mumbles if it does happen. But yeah, we've got Stipe <laughs> and John Jones. Maybe. It's probably going to happen. Stipe Maybe. plus 170, John Jones on the early money lines. BT keeps coming back to all oh, John Jones is the greatest of all time. I don't care about the layoff. I don't care about him moving up to heavyweight. Yeah. And I say plus 170 on Stipe. Bro, take my money. Which way are you betting? Oh, give me dog odds on the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. I mean, I'll fade Jones. I never thought I'd be fading Jones, but yes, right? 1 billion percent. There's just too many intangibles. You're talking about a guy who had some really lackluster performances at 205 to close out his career down there. And then you're tacking on another, what, 20, 30 pounds, potentially. I don't know how that's going to affect the speed. I don't know how that's going to affect his movement. And Stipe Miocic has proven himself that weight class against the best of the best. Now, the results have varied within his last five, six outings and um, losing the Ngannou by knockout and especially how that fight played out was a bit disappointing. I would have loved to see some more tools and some more answers and game planning from Stipe, but um, I don't know. I just feel like I'd favor Miocic. The biggest thing that I'm concerned about is the age. Stipe's not a spring chicken anymore. And so unless there's a big athletic decline, a la maybe Korean Zombie against Volk, um, I just feel like this one's... This one should be a, a good win for Stipe. Yeah, I think I, I, I've definitely heard from you and, and other guests and everybody and Sean, I mean, that we've talked about this too. I get I get the theory behind it of worrying about all the X factors with John. But yeah, like I think the X factors with Stipe are in, in a lot of ways more concerning. Taking vicious yeah. knockouts, the age being what it is. It's a lot of hits. And John, yeah, he's been inactive, but like, I like a John Jones dealing with adverse situations. It's kind of how he's just lived his life and career. Um, I think if it was a Francis fight, I, I think we're having a different conversation. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, you know, much more worried for John's debut against a guy in his prime and a guy who looks like a wrecking machine. But I feel like this is a guy who's not like the biggest heavyweight ever, uh, even though he's maybe the best. Uh, I think it's almost like it's tailor made. It's like it's kind of a almost a, a tweener step up for him that. I, I get it. The odds are juicy and they're speaking to a lot of people that we speak to about this fight. But I still think that at the end of the day, I'd, I'd take the guy who has been probably the best I've ever seen do this. Yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's an X factor all around. I'm excited for the matchup. I would love for Jones to succeed and have a, a great debut at 265. I think that that shakes up the division that's already been made more interesting in the last couple of years. Um, but at the same time, Miocic getting his hand raised at, at 40 is just a cool story for a guy from Ohio. I mean, look, that, that cat's got a, a great background and, and a cool legacy and um, beating the greatest of all time, right? Proverbially in Jones, I think would be a great feather to, uh, to end Stipe's career. Speaking of the greatest of all time, the co-main event next week features Thug Rose. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, she takes on Carlos Barza. What are the chances a cookie monster would ever take on a thug? But that's what's going on next Saturday night. Uh, ben, how high up do you have Rose when it comes to all-time lists? Because, obviously, she's not Amanda Nunez. But mm -hmm. after that, I mean, when you start to talk about the Valentina, Cyborg, Ronda, like those type of names, I think she might be number two or three. It's got to be top five minimum. If Doug Rose is not within your top five greatest women's MMA fighters of all time, I think that you're you're prioritizing that list wrong. Um, but you brought up pretty much all the other names that would be on it. Amanda, Valentina, Cyborg, um, and Chris. I mean, if Chris keeps winning, I think that she can definitely edge her way up to the number one spot ever. Uh, but with Doug Rose stands, I mean... I feel like the story has a lot left to be written. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of mileage left on her. Granted, she's been in the sport a decent amount of time, but when you look at how many times she's fought versus somebody like Cyborg or somebody like Valentina, look, Thug Rose still has a decent amount of uh, years, in my opinion, maybe three or four good ones. And uh, the Aspars matchup is tough, though. I will say this is a tough matchup because obviously it's a rematch uh, from a couple years prior, but you look at the takedowns. Uh, Asparza averages... I think like three takedowns. If I look at her last four, it's three, five, one, four. Uh, Nama Yunus has been taken down six times in her last three fights. So I just think that this one's going to be contested on the ground. And I'm not overly confident in Nama Yunus down there versus somebody like the Cookie Monster. So I think it's a really interesting one stylistically. And when we're talking about grace of all time, that's what cements it taking these tough stylistic matchups and winning. And so, you know, to further kind of lay that groundwork for Nama Yunus at, at the top of that kind of all-time discussion, a big win next week would do it. How much, like, what, what is the cutoff for you, Ben, as far as, like, a rematch would be concerned to take anything from it? Like, you were talking eight years ago. Right. Um, it, but it's still a win. Like, if I'm Carlos Mars, I'm going to this be like, I still beat you. I still have the victory over you. I don't care how long ago it was. It's got to be some kind of a mental edge. Trying to think of something that would be like a parallel to that, maybe like Poirier Max Connor, Poirier, Connor, Poirier, Poirier yeah. Max Holloway, something like that, where there was just years of time before they fought again. Like, how big a deal do you think that is? That gap? Do you think that Carla can carry anything from that win into this one? I that's a really great question, and I have to say it's almost negligible in the sense where there's such different fighters now, you know, the same thing with, with Connor and Dustin when they were down at 145, and then years and years later, they've evolved so much in their game plans and styles have changed. Um, and, and, and the way that those guys have succeeded after that initial meeting, I don't think that there's a lot you can take from it, but I absolutely believe that there is that, that small amount in the back of your mind where you're thinking this person's beat me before. And that's something that you just typically don't deal with in fighting, right? When you're going up against an opponent, you don't have that history. You don't have those former results against that person. So do I think it'll play in? Maybe. But then I defer to Trevor Whitman and how good of a coach he is and how mentally he's able to build these athletes. And um, I think that the game planning that that camp does is second to none. And um, I don't think that it's, it's going to really shake her up mentally too much. But it's, it's got to be in the back of the mind. I agree, Bennett. The vein, Ben Davis, back on the BetQL Network, Brendan Tobin, Sean Levine, and Jake Galley. 
So Tony Ferguson's coming in as a huge underdog, and everybody I talk to says you're throwing your money away. Would it be worth putting a few bucks down on El Kukui to win this fight against Michael Chandler? Yeah, God, like it's tough. <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. It's hard because Ferguson's decline has been quite drastic, but you look at guys that he's been losing to. It's Oliveira. It's Daryush. I mean, it's it's not people that uh, – Gaethje. It's not people that – really aren't at the top of the division. They're all elite. They're all cut from that same category. Um, and stylistically, that's the thing. Oliveira wrestled him, grappled him. Dariush wrestled him, grappled him. Um, I don't think that Chandler's going to take that approach. And so when you look at this one, and this is why I kind of wish it was booked for five rounds, one of those interesting five-round co-main events, because that really does favor Ferguson. The gas, tanks is, the gas tank is still very much there. And Chandler has displayed kind of a tendency to slow down, wear out, um, you look at the Gaethje fight, it was a very entertaining scrap, but, and while it was competitive, it was clear that Gaethje was in control. Um, and so I think that if Ferguson can weather the first five minutes, that early storm, that early offensive barrage that Chandler's going to bring, if he can stay in there and just kind of last and maybe do some damage, kick the body a bit, get those elbows working. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be more competitive than people believe, obviously what they're telling you, they think it's a landslide for, uh, for Chandler. I, I want it to be more competitive. But I do favor Michael heavily uh, in this one. Yeah, you mentioned Gaethje there. So we got him in the main event against Charles Oliveira. Uh, Dog right now for Justin Gaethje is obviously a live dog that everybody loves because he's so tough to put away. But I feel like, you know, to see Charles Oliveira be the favorite is almost a uh, a rarity because it feels like he's always getting overlooked. So finally maybe getting the the respect he deserves. What do you think about the uh, the main event matchup? I completely agree, right? Consistently overlooked is Charles Allure. Glad that he's getting the shine now. And you look at this matchup, and I feel like, you know, State 48 hometown hero Gaethje doesn't get it done. Um, Oliver has proven himself his last couple times out. He's weathered some difficult challenges, adversity from Poirier, um, <clears throat> obviously the fight with Chandler. Those are moments where historically Oliver has folded, and he hasn't. He's rallied back and finished those guys in big ways. I just don't think that Gaethje presents outside of a larger KO threat um, anything different than what Oliver has seen. Oliver has faced a more talented grappler. Oliver has faced a more talented striker. It's just the power differential that I think is the only X factor coming into this one. And look, his striking is crisp as hell. Uh, I, I think that it's very underrated, especially when you look at this fight with Kevin Lee, how he mixes it up, those uppercuts in the clinch coming right around the guard in those close distances. Those are in, those are exchanges where Gaethje's typically historically won. I don't know if he's going to get it done against Oliveira in those same pockets, leading to a bit of a confidence decline. And I don't know. I see I see an Oliveira submission. I feel like this one's going to be another rear naked choke. Um, Gaethje's kind of proven that he doesn't really have that ground game uh, as sophisticated as some other people like Poirier or even Chandler. So I, uh, I'd be pretty confident in the Brazilian in this one. Ben, since you're the young guy in this room, I got to ask you about Jake Paul. Ben Davis, the main <laughs> joining us here on Tapped Out. He said, and I quote, I'll beat the F out of both of them. And he was talking about Bisping and Masvidal. If that was a boxing match, how do you think it would go down? First, like Jake Paul versus Jorge Masvidal. Could Jake Paul beat that dude too? No, no, I don't think he beats Mavs at all. I think that Jorge, uh, at this point, he's like 37, 38. Athletically, he's not entirely where he was. But remember the roots, baby. This guy came from the backyard, and uh, he's a scrapper through and through. So I feel like you put Paul and Mavs at all in, in the squared circle, Jorge's going to win that one all day long. Now, it, what's interesting is when you talk about Bisping, though. You put Bisping in there with Jake Paul, 
results may vary. I don't know if Michael can get that one done. He's older. He's got the one eye. Uh, obviously, he's been training, but he hasn't been competing uh, since 2017, I believe. So I think if Jake Paul was able to secure uh, a matchup with Michael Bisping, that'd be his most favorable one, his most profitable one. But God, the UFC, Bisping, they don't want that one to happen. Uh, speaking of weird fights, we found out last week after Tyson Fury finished off Dillian White, he had France Ngannou in the ring with him. They seem very into the next thing that yeah. they're both going to do combat wise is some kind of hybrid fight with MMA gloves, probably only fists that they're going to be throwing at each other. How much interest do you have in that? A, a, a Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury, something combat wise, or do you, would you prefer it if Francis just came back to the UFC and defended his belt? It's tough because the way that the UFC's treated Francis kind of dissuades me from saying, nah, I just come back to the UFC. I think that the, the, the way that they've handled Francis Ngannou is so poor and they have been uh, very improper to him that, yeah, I want I want Francis to get a massive payday. Hell yeah. Sign me up for him getting a couple million in the bank. Um, granted, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that he's going to lose that one very easily. But at the very least, a guy like Ngannou with the story that he has deserves a Tyson Fury-esque payday, in my opinion, at the very least. Ben, before you get out of here, it is fight night. Who do you got, Rob Font or Tito Vera? Man, God, you know I can get deep into this one, Sean, but I'm going to keep it quick. I'm going to condense it. Vera by sub, I think championship rounds. I feel like he gets stronger as the fight goes on, and Rob Font's track record within five-round outings hasn't really been too consistent. So I'm on the Cheeto train. Sign me up all aboard. Big Rob Font, that is, having a little bit of trouble with the weight cut, but never having trouble with us. Ben Davis, the Bane, back on Tapped Out. Great insight as always, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.